Fulhamish is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Hello, it's the Fulhamish podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name is Sammy James and sound the alarm because we've pulled an emergency pod to discuss last night's Halloween horror show against Bristol City and figure out the causes behind the decline of Craig Klein. I will also have a little Wolves preview in here as well. And I'm joined by the man that you need in an emergency, Jack J. Collins. How are you doing? I'm good. Hello, listeners. How are we? So, um, once again, another Sammy James living room special. A classic. It is now becoming a regular feature. It is. Uh, cups of tea on the go and plenty to discuss. We were always planning on doing a little midweek pod, but I think now, given what happened last night, the news about Craig Klein, it seems more pertinent than ever to do a midweek podcast. Should we do some three-word reviews from last night just to get us underway while we, while we do this? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't see why not. Let's delve into the, delve into the bag, see what we've got. Um, so, obviously, loads of you getting involved last night. Our own three-word review was shit, shit, shit. Uh, if you didn't know, it was a very poor 2-0 defeat to Bristol City last night. So, uh, who, who are a few that's come in? I really liked Dan McGrath's Jesus Man Up, uh, which was, <laughs> was a good one. Um, there, there's a few Jonathan Brewer's keep conceding first is particularly pertinent I think and Liam Ventum's better without camera was something that as many of you will know I, I completely agree with uh, Adam Porter is coming up with a, a glut of these at the moment but lights camera off was a was a special a special addition to the, the collection of lights camera puns love you getting involved with the three word views make sure you do after every match uh not just on Twitter, you can also do it on Facebook and on Instagram as well, at Fulhamish Pod. Just to say before we start the podcast that Fulhamish is back for the season by Labrooks. Bet £5, you get £20 into your account. You can find this deal at using the link at bets.fulhamish.co.uk. So, you, Jack. If you want to use that money wisely, I'd suggest betting on Fulham losing at home. <laughs> just every single game. Every game. Never winning a home game no. again for the rest of eternity. So, Jack, it was a bit of a horror show last night. I mean, apt that it came on Halloween. I mean, two years ago, we went to Bristol City and picked up a 4-1 win on Halloween. How times have changed. It was definitely not as enjoyable last night. Yeah, that day, Ryan Tynercliffe scored a wonder goal as well, which is uh, always special. It has a special place in my heart, that goal at Ashton Gate. But, yeah, yesterday was appalling in many senses of the word. I think everyone was quite excited before the game to see the 5 you know, sort of five three two or three five two, however you want you want to look at it in in action. Uh, I was nervous. I'm not a massive fan of the five three two kind of formation, and I know Ben would hate me for saying this, but while wing backs are obviously a, an interesting concept for me, it removes our man from midfield, um, and because we have flying full backs anyway, even in a four, I think it deprives us of a player in the centre of the park, and we struggle to to control games. On top of that, last night. We didn't really play with five at the back. It was very much a three with Sess and Fredericks pushed up. And what it did was it left Tim Ream really, really exposed against Callum O'Dowda, who had him tied in knots for the most of the first half. And I don't even want to blame Ream because, yes, his positioning was reasonably poor, but he was just, he lacked support, he lacked cover. And again, someone of O'Dowda's you know, trickery at pace and finishing ability in terms of you know he was the one that they got across to, to make both goals and it was one of those things that you could you could see it coming a mile off how you know someone like Tim Ream who's obviously a, a a player who revolves around you know sensible passing the ball and stuff but isn't you know lightning quick and isn't 
He's, he's not the most versatile of defenders, is he? You can't put Tim Ream into any system or situation. And yeah. last night was exposed. Yeah, I, I think that's completely fair enough. It, it's one of those things that Tim Ream, when he came, there was a lot of the time where we played him at left-back, if, if many of you remember. And we spent years criticising him playing at left-back. And for him to play yeah. at the back of a three, he almost is exposed in that kind of role again. And okay, not quite to the same extent, but... You know, in fact, arguably, you'd have more—he'd have more responsibility in a back three to to cover that kind of left-hand channel, and that's where we got taken apart time and time again last night. But Bristol City, very good side. They came to the cottage full of confidence. They are on a very good run, bar a kind of freak result against Leeds, where they got bad three-nil at home. This is a side with lots of youth. Um, lots of players that have come up through the academy and they're just playing with a swagger and we couldn't really cope with them last night and I know it was only 2-0 but the scoreline did really flatter us and had they won 4 or 5 a bit like last season it wouldn't have been unjust No, not at all Um, I think that I mean they should have been 3-0 up just before the break and then they almost were 3-0 up after the break with with the goal that was disallowed um, which has not been you know called one of either either way if you will it hasn't been shown to be offside completely and I was I was critical of the decision at the time when I was watching but you know such is life and sometimes you get the breaks and sometimes you don't but it was just a, a complete performance in, in that regard from Bristol City in the first half they, they swamped us at times um, they're, they're paid. a lot of people said they were going to struggle when Tammy Abraham left Bobby Reid has stepped up to fill that gap admirably and you know, you can you can see in the way that they play that they play for each other. They're they're very well drilled, they're very well organised, and they you know they had all the things that that Fulham had last year in in that kind of sense. They break quickly, they move the ball quickly, they transition through the phases well, and and they look to hit teams on you know where it hurts. And ultimately, they were too good for us last night. And poor, sorry, and poor play across the park from from certain individuals. Abubakar Kamara had another. Desperate, desperate evening. Steph Joe was very much off the pace as well. Font starting on the bench. There just seems to be a myriad of problems in this Fulham team at the moment. And we're, we're struggling to find find a first 11. It's amazing to think that six months ago, we were... Tearing up the league. Tearing up the yeah. league, completing more passes in a game than Barcelona. And now just look at it. And we, we can't even seem to muster an effort on goal. I think that was the worrying thing for me last night. We just didn't even look like trouble in Frank Fielding until maybe the last 15 minutes when Bristol City were looking to tire. And even then it was hardly like we were, you know, hammering down the goal. Weirdly enough, I thought we started okay. Um, I, I thought that, that Cess, Cess had a looked, of chances. Yeah, Cess looked lively, and 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 to be fair to Cessignon, you know he's he's not he's come in for a fair bit of criticism this season, and you know I'm not I'm not here to to defend him in, in a whole, but he he did put in a fair shift last night, and even when everyone else had given up, Cess can you know he kept running and he he kept working and he kept trying for his teammates, and him and Kmac are kind of the only two players that came out of last night with any sort of credibility. Steph was abhorrent, and for me to say that it, it is something. He absolutely was... It's the worst game of football I've ever seen from Stefan Johansson in watching him for four or five years uh, in both black and white and green and white. Uh, I have never seen him play that bad, even when he was having his tricky second season at Celtic. It it, it just wasn't... I I don't know, he wasn't at the races. He didn't look like he was interested. And normally when Steph has a bad game, 
you know, I've pointed this out many times this season. When Steph has a bad game, he, he usually makes up for it by, you know, putting in the yards. And yes, it's not to everyone's taste that Steph runs around a lot. I'm not arguing that because he runs around a lot, he's immune to criticism. What I'm saying is that because he makes those yards up, he, he ends up getting himself in useful positions at both ends of the pitch, you know, making, you know, blocks and tackles and, and also getting up to support the attack. Last night, he just had one of those games where his contributions were poor and he didn't make up for it through work rate. And I don't know whether that's through tiredness from the game of the weekend or or what, but it, it just seems to me like that the whole team seems to have their heads gone. And second half, as if it wasn't a difficult enough proposition to come back from 2-0 down against a Bristol City side, bang in form, bang in confidence. Um, Kamara gets himself sent off after an hour uh, for an off-the-ball incident. And... I mean, we've seen it back. He does push the Bristol City player. It, for me, it does seem a little bit harsh yeah. to give him a red. Yeah. But he gave the referee a needless decision and, and has cost the team any chance of getting back into the game. And I know he's a young man and I'm sure he'll learn from it. But that was a big costly error from him last night to even give the referee a decision to make. And so needless as well. I don't think it was that costly an error because I don't think we were going to lose, win the game anyway. Um, so that that's something in his defence. I've seen a few people defending him saying... Uh, the reason, you know, it, it's not it's wrong to criticise him for being sent off because the Bristol City players made a meal of it. I, I mean, I, I can't agree with that. I can't accept that at any point it's okay to put your hands up and push another player over. Like, you know, it, at the same time as, you know, when Tom Kearney did it against QPR last year, we laughed about it and said it was a bit of passion and whatever. But at the same time, if Tom Kearney had, had, had been sent off for that, I would have had absolutely no uh, no questions with that call. And and I said at the time that it was good that he was showing a bit of passion because it was in terms of leadership. But what what Camera did wasn't passion; it was frustration. And he, he's you know he's been niggled at all night. And every time he went near a Bristol City player, they went over. And you know what? They pushed all the right buttons, and he responded in the way they wanted him to. And my dad was saying to me this morning. He said a couple of minutes before Camera got sent off, he said, "I've got to take. He's got to be taken off because he's going to he's going to do something stupid because he was running into challenges without the ball. He was bundling players over." And he was just literally, you know, he, he lost his head. His head completely went. And, you know, I hate to make that kind of raging bull comparison again, but when, it was almost like, the, you know, the mist came down and then something was going to kick him off. And I wasn't surprised to see it happen at all. And I think that with camera, if his rest of his contributions for the game had been good, then maybe you could be like, OK, yeah, he had a moment of madness because he was playing well and, you know, the rest of the team were letting him down. But he wasn't. He was awful last night. Absolutely awful. And, you know, there are a lot of people like, oh, he puts in the... There's a lot of people who criticise Steph for saying, oh, he only runs around, he doesn't do anything. Are the same ones saying camera puts himself about? And I'm like, well, it's the same argument. You know, and, and I don't think that... At least Steph's touch doesn't go 20 metres in front of him and then get chased after it and then bundle the player over and concede a free kick. Uh, for me, I'd sell camera in January. Wow. I don't see any value to him, to be perfectly honest. I think he's going to... I think if you played him 38 times this season, he would bang a few goals in. But I think, you know, give a group of monkeys a few typewriters and they will eventually type the works of Shakespeare. It seems a little bit of a case of that. So naive in his play, you know, offside numerous times again last night. And... If you gave, if you put Corley Woodrow, and I don't rate Corley Woodrow, and I'm not a Corley Woodrow fan, and I don't think Corley Woodrow is the answer before I get slated online... But I think if you put Corley Woodrow in the same positions as Camera, he would score more goals. I don't think I don't think you could disagree with that. I think Corley is a goal scorer, and 
no doubt by now, if he'd have played as many times as Camera, I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility he also would have got two goals and made a few good contributions like Camera has. And against a side last night like Bristol City, he just seemed to get completely found out. Yeah, completely. Funny that it's against both Bristol teams he's had his uh, worst performances this season. Yeah, just, I mean, the only good thing about Camera being sent off is it means we might see Font get a run through the middle. Um, Who I thought actually made a decent contribution when he came on last night. Difficult circumstances. There were plenty of people around me getting very vexed because they yeah. d- he didn't look like he was putting the effort in, putting the yards in. But I actually, especially when camera went off and he was put up front, he made some smart contributions. He got a few shots away and, and in better circumstances, yeah. I think could have made far more of a contribution. I, I think- guess you're right. That is maybe the only positive to camera being suspended for what will probably be three games. I saw that the club are going to appeal it, but I just can't it doesn't matter. It will still be a game, so he yeah. will be appeal- he will be he will be not playing for Wolves. So the thing is that Font, yeah, I, I agree with you to a point. I think that Font looks flimsy. He still looks flimsy. He, he, you know, he goes down too easily. He hasn't learned to, you know, to try and stay on his feet yet. And he also has this reasonably annoying knack of trying to thinking he has an extra second when he doesn't. And you know that, I mean, that will come. It's gone from going playing in Liga Nost than it is to the Championship, and it is a different ball game with, you know, no pun intended. But he, he does have that frustrating knack of thinking that he's going to have one one yard more or, or one step more when he doesn't. And he just needs to sort of think a little bit earlier. I think he is a much better player and I'm I'm really excited to see him through the middle in his natural role but I, I do think I do see why people get frustrated with him because he, he does go down a lot he, he's quite flimsy and yeah he, he has that kind of bit of a like Berbatov-esque gait about him which makes it look like he's not trying but I, I do think he is I think he's working I think he's working particularly hard and I think that he will get better as he improves and when he gets a decent run in the position that we signed him to play there's a man in the Hammersmith end last night near me who was very passionate in his defence of Font. I think he was quite wound up that a few of the people around him were criticising Font for everything that was going wrong last night. So every time anyone touched the ball, he just uh, stood up and uh, sarcastically shouted, It's Font's fault! Font's fault! It's all Font's fault! It's Font's fault! Camera got sent off! It was fairly amusing I'm for, amused the, uh, by that. For, for the gaggle of people that were around me. So if you're listening, kudos to you because it made me laugh. Uh, one positive from last night I thought was introduction of Rafa Schwarz Um, he looked really positive when he came on and he got in some decent positions they were finding him nicely uh, in the channels down the left hand side final ball was lacking a little bit but you can almost forgive him that A given the circumstances and B given that it was his first performance for me surely got to be a starter at Wolves on Friday assuming that he's got the fitness now to play were at least the best part of 90 minutes yeah 100% I thought he looked sharp when he came on and I I continue to be baffled as to why we haven't seen him before now and as to why uh, Slavisa thought the appropriate time to bring him on was you know 10 men against the team when we were 2 nil down that said I think that's a crowd play I think that's the crowd have been calling for Suarez and, and Slavisa has surely seen and heard that across the channels um, and I think he's done that to try and appease people when things were going badly it worked to a point for me. I, I was glad to see Suarez thing. I think the, the proof will be in the pudding whether we see him in the starting eleven on, on, on Friday night. I would like to see Suarez in the starting eleven. I think something is interesting, and, and I'd like to hear your view on this. 
um, is that I've heard, you know, rumours swirling around and whether they're verified or not is another thing, is that Slavisa has been picking a team with players like Camera in it uh, and keeping Aite in and, and refusing to not play Sessegnon at left-back because the, the orders from above, shall we say, have suggested that those players should be including his plans. And the, the point I heard, which was potentially the most worrying, was that Slavisa was putting them in uh, and playing uh, and letting them lose to, to prove a point. I'm not sure I believe that. Yeah. Conspiracy theories. Precisely. But I don't sure I believe that. But it's an interesting thing yeah. to consider. If, if Slavisa is trying to wrestle back control and doing things on purpose to, to think, I'm kind of like... Okay, that's that's one thing, but also our season is slipping away, and we really need to start winning. So I potentially like Slavisa to start picking players that he thinks are going to win games. I just can't believe that Slavisa would still be here if there were that many people from above picking the team for him. I think he seems like a very forthright man, and he seems like a very passionate man that wouldn't take that. Who isn't so desperate to be in the job at Fulham that he is happy to let people pick from above. Um, because I think I just don't think he'd stand for it which is the main reason why I can't believe it I always imagine there's going to be external pressures from this person and that person saying who to pick um, there was quite an interesting interview when Shade Khan was on Talk Sport and they asked him that question you know have you ever tried to pick a player or oh, I, don't, tried I, to tell fairness, the coach, I don't think it's Shard no Khan. I don't think it's from that but he very rightly said that you know, if I thought I could make a better decision, I would be the coach. I would like to think that the other people in his hierarchy are, you know, listening to the words of Shahid, who I very much doubt has um, got enough time in his hands to be to be picking teams. Be meddling I, with things. I hope the people that he's um, employing, and that includes his son, aren't also meddling in those decisions. But we will come on to some of the Craig Klein stuff later, yep. which I know I think is 100% linked to this. And there is definitely something afoot at Fulham we don't exactly know what something's up something is up and I think unless things are sorted out very quickly and privately I I wouldn't be surprised if there is more news to come out of Motspur Park and probably not all of it positive in this kind of light in the next few weeks yeah Um, on a a final note about about the Bristol City game a couple of things um Tom Kearney is still not a captain Kevin McDonald hashtag my captain and uh, he and Kenny, what it too isn't fit and probably needs to not play against Wolves. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much. Uh, just at the end, the only two players to come, that... the only two players to come out and celebrate uh, and to clap the hammers with end were McDonald and, and Sessegnon, and I, th- I think that speaks volumes about the leadership within the team and the passion and heart that the club is showing at the moment. And I think that uh, a lot of people need to t- dust themselves down, have a long hard look at themselves. I think Kenny is only capable at the moment of putting kind of. 6 out of 10, 7 out of 10 performances unfortunately with his fitness and his current injury problems and I wasn't here on Monday on the podcast but I did hear about you talking you know should he even be playing and about having the 95 packets of ice in in his freezer and I just I'm just not sure you can almost see Tom Kearney yeah. he's limping around the pitch you can see Tom Kearney almost having the visions of what he wants to do his brain's working fast and, and his and his feet and legs can't can't do it can't do what he wants to do and he hasn't he just he hasn't got the time and the space that he was having last season it's all because of his fitness and not quite being in the positions he wants to be and yeah I think if we did play him on Friday against Wolves I sadly think he'd be very exposed by by his what is 
the runaway looking to be the runaway side in this division um do you think should we move on to Wolves? well yes let's kind of move on to Wolves. i wanted to ask do you think this is going to be the low point of our season i bloody hope so or Um, do you think do you sadly think think things could get worse before they get better i think things could get worse on friday night i think Wolves could absolutely steamroll us i really do the way we're playing if we show you know the same amount of passion heart determination ability even that we showed last night then Wolves are going to go through us like a hot knife through butter and it's very sad for this to be to be happening from from a team that was full of such confidence going into this season and what 15 games in and it's it's come to this that we're worried about getting a battering from Wolves yeah I mean Wolves in in fairness to Wolves Wolves are a very good side the other thing that is slightly you know in the head we did say the scoreline flattered us but actually we are going a bit ballistic over a 2-0 loss and yes, it's a home. And yes, it's Bristol City. And yes, it's a team that we we should you know should be beating. Then again, it's a fourth defeat in four against Bristol City. Oh, I didn't mean I so mean, much Bristol City. No, no, but general, they do like, they do love coming to Craven Cottage. Yeah, it's the best uh, it's way, just, way it's, there this it's season. It's the performances, not not the yeah. results. I think that are are causing concern. And I think there's valid causes for concern all over the club. Well, I don't think there's really been a still hasn't really been a solid, solid performance this season yeah. since Ipswich. And I don't think that's that harsh to say. I think in parts against Queen's Park Rangers we looked decent, but certainly yeah. not for the full ninety. And the yeah. only thing I'd say is in Slavisa's I I've been quite critical of Slavisa and I am I'm, I'm starting to doubt his tactical nous and starting to doubt if he has the kind of if he's lost the dressing room potentially uh, I was thinking this yesterday he came out and he took full responsibility and he said I made mistakes I would like him you know I want him to succeed I, I don't I'm not out here thinking I want Slavisa gone uh, I want him to leave if he, if he cannot put this right because I don't think tactically Fulham have a clue what's going on at the moment but I want him to come out against Wolves change things up make the changes not be afraid to to, to play the team he wants to play and, and to let the boys run out and, and have a go at Wolves and I think that if he does that and he picks the, you know players in the positions they're supposed to be playing in and, and listens a bit to you know the the calls that are what are being made. Sessegnon, Sessegnon needs to play further up. He's being outmuscled by wingers, you know, left, right, and centre. This uh, Suarez came on and did well. Yes, he wasn't necessarily tested, particularly by a Bristol City who were happy to just sit and take their lead. But you know, we've been all caught. He was a uh, one of three that Liverpool had on a shortlist for this summer for a left back. Like we, we, we've got players here that can then do things, and we need to work out very quickly where players play and and put them in the correct positions. Bring back, you know, who Johan Molo, who's who suddenly just dropped out of contention and, and started posting some pretty weird stuff on Instagram. Didn't he go for mojitos last night with his family? Yeah, and, and then um, and then posted a thing being like, un, unbeatable, which is like an album cover being like, no one can stop me. Right, okay. Which doesn't, I mean, I mean, I'm reading too much into it, but Maybe. it doesn't necessarily scream, I'm content with what's going on. Because there's still plenty on. of time, I think, for Slavisa to, to save this. I yeah. don't think it's a fully gone sinking ship yet. It's been a bad month. And I was thinking back to the Instagram that we posted at the beginning of this month where we asked, um, how many points do you think we'll get from these four games? I don't think there were many people saying two. I think it was more eight or nine. So it's, obviously it's an extremely, extremely disappointing return. Yep. But he can more than salvage this with a few good results. So I feel like now is crunch time for Slavisa because as good as we think Slavisa is and as great as last season was, he hasn't got ages. No, he hasn't. He hasn't. And there are plenty of managers circling and there are plenty of people who would be happy to see the manager change now. I think maybe that's slightly premature, but I don't think they're miles off the mark either. 
Um, I think that we, we need to look at it, you know, in, in terms of this season. Slavisa hasn't put out a side that have really dominated anyone aside from Ipswich in the entire season, which is a worry because we've played 15 games now, which means that we've played, what, two-thirds of the champ- two-thirds of the division and we've only dominated one team. That's not top six finishing. You know, yeah, we've beaten teams. I'm not saying that we've, yeah. you know, but that's not form to get in the top six. And, and realistically, if we want to, you know, we're not, we can't, bank on Leeds collapsing again that's, an, that's an unheard of our, our run of form in the second half of last season was also unheard of we can't bank on those kind of things happening again we need to be in a better position than we were in January if we want to challenge for the top six and currently we're further behind well if the recovery is to start then it will be uh, against Wolves on Wolves on Friday I spoke to Sam Cook earlier from the 77 Club Wolves podcast and asked him about Friday's game Okay, so Sam, it's Wolves versus Fulham on Friday night. Obviously, you guys are flying in the league. Fulham stuttering at the moment. Do you expect to keep your good form going? I think so. You know, we're at home. And if we're serious about winning this league, then you have to win your home games. So we had a little bit of a setback against QPR away, pulled it back Norwich away midweek. So we're happy going into this one. Are you surprised with how Wolves are doing this season? Now, I know that sounds crazy given the amount of money you spent in the summer, but it was quite a tame end to last season. Despite the money you've spent, it's still quite a transformation to have pretty much a brand new coach and go from wherever you were in the table last season. I think it was like 13th, 14th in the end. Mm. And to, to becoming promotion contenders and looking to win the title. I just want to clear this up, right? In, in, in terms of how much money we've spent, it's been about £15 million on Neves, and, and that's been it. So Ruddy, the goalkeeper, came in free. Jota, who's lighting up the midfield, is actually on loan. Bonatini is on loan from Al-Hilal. It's just been a very, very clever way of getting in very, very decent players. Obviously, the links with George Mendes is a huge coup for everybody at the club. And then the new owners came in. That special relationship is definitely coming into fruition now. But when we look at what we've got across the park, there's a lot of quality there. But there's also, you know, a couple of academy graduates in the team, which is great to see. Indeed. I guess it's not necessarily the money, but yeah, the connections that you have with George Mendes and the, and the calibre of player you've been able to bring in is definitely beyond what most other teams in the championship would be able to do right now. Absolutely. You know, th- this this Wolf side is playing the best football that, that I've ever seen and it's probably the best in, I would say, a generation going on. I mean, look, we're only 15 games into the season, but the stuff that we're seeing down at Molyneux, the way that we're closing out games now is so different to what we maybe had, even the success under Mick McCarthy when we were promoted in 08, 09. Uh, even Jacket winning League One, getting back into the championship, never really being able to close games out. But we saw it against Aston Villa. You know, it's great to do it over your rivals in that we just completely outclassed them all game and we, we closed it out and we were a better team for 90 minutes. And to be honest, looking at Fulham, a little bit of a dip in form. I'm excited going into this Friday. And what weaknesses are there in this Wolves side? Obviously, we all know about your attacking prowess and the numerous different options you have going forward. Are there any weaknesses at the back? Is there a style of play that Wolves struggle to adapt against? To be honest, there's probably a couple of things, which would be the zone of marking that, that Nuno's brought in. Not quite everybody is au fait with 
quite how to do it. I mean, we look fairly vulnerable from from set pieces, corners, uh, free kicks in and around the box. We do look a little bit vulnerable. So that's the only thing that probably worries me most about that. The only other thing is possibly goalkeeper looking a bit edgy. I thought John Ruddy had a fairly poor game against QPR. Obviously, we, we lost that game. He started off a little bit more nervous against Norwich in midweek, former club came from them in the summer, um, but sort of grew into the game and, and then became more of that safe pair of hands that you associate with the ex-England international. So I guess really, yeah, set pieces and, and possibly a shaky goalkeeper. And who else do you expect to be challenging you for the title this season? The championship seems wide open to me. You guys seem like the only people I can pretty much accurately say will definitely be there or thereabouts this season. I still feel like... Cardiff and even Sheffield United have big potential to fall away so who else do you expect to be truly challenging you for automatic promotion? Completely agree there I mean Cardiff are classically the bottlers in in this sort of situation I think Sheffield United is probably a good way of of trying to get out of this league is doing it from League One because a lot of teams have done that or at least done well in that season first back in the championship but to be honest for me I think the dark horses this season are going to be Bristol City I think they've gone completely under the radar nobody's talking about them they're still in the League Cup so they've got that cup run that they're putting together but you know they're up to fourth 27 points from 15 games and do you know what if they had Tammy Abraham this season compared to last season I think they'd be top of the league and looking at Fulham what kind of threat do you expect from us on Friday nights you had a great win at Craven Cottage against us last season and the reverse fixture at Molyneux was an absolute cracker so probably can be expecting goals at both ends always love playing Fulham I think they're a great footballing side um, for us it's better the devil you know I think Kevin McDonald in that midfield for us he, he always unlocked the midfield unlocked defences for us he was a class player and we were really really sorry and surprised to see him go so I guess for, for, for us we'll be looking out for him and, and hoping he isn't on his game because we know that when he is he is really really dangerous Brilliant. Sam, um, may the best team win on Friday and thanks for speaking to us. No worries. And also congratulations on your uh, nomination for the uh, podcast awards. Thank you very much, man. Thank you. I wish you all the best for that. Jack, how do you like your beer? Ideally in multiple quantities. Well, I can do that in multiple quantities and I can give it to you for free. Thanks to our mates at Beer 52. How does eight free craft beers and you pay only the postage and packaging sound to you? It sounds incredible. Free beer all over the gaff. Shout out to Beer 52. You can get that right now by using the code Fulham at Beer52.com. What they'll do is they'll send you a box of beer just like this one we have here. Eight free craft beers straight to your door. All you need to do is use the code Fulham at Beer52.com. Pay the postage and packaging. It's that simple. You going to do it, Jack? Yes, I am. Let's get on it. Sign up now. Fulham at beer52.com. Well, thank you to Sam Cook from the 77 Club Wolves podcast. I had a little listen to that last week. It is fantastic. Uh, very much up there with the Wolves fan cast, which is another great podcast that we are friendly with. So uh, Friendly, um, friendly banter. They'll assume they're going to give us some stick on the, on, on Friday. Yeah, should, should I, think, go I think we're going to have our Twitter knives ready, uh, let's say, for some fun with the Wolves fan cast. Yeah. Uh, we'll also have our real knives ready because you and I are heading up to uh, Molyneux on Friday. We are indeed. It's going to be a good trip. Uh, I think that maybe we might have to drink a few more pints than we previously planned just yeah. to get through the pain of it. Yeah. 
Um, numbing pints, as they say. My first trip to Molyneux, so personally, I'm quite excited. Yeah, me too. I, I think it, I think it'll be a good day out. We're uh, going to head up to Birmingham in the afternoon and and wander around there for a while before before heading over to Molyneux. So it should be a good day out. I'm excited. Fulham are always better on the road. That is something to you know be be aware of. And and they might raise the game. Potentially, we'll see a, a backlash. I, I mean, I'm not overtly. Po- Optimistic, which is unlike me, but uh, you know, potentially we'll see a backlash from the players and from Slavisa, and maybe, maybe Fulham will. This is a point where Fulham will potentially get their season back on track. So, so we, you know, we live in hope. Uh, if you are going up to the game on Friday, we hope to see you up there. It is on the telly, of course, as well. It's on Sky or and probably available internationally, I would imagine. So, hopefully, we can all watch it and we can keep our fingers crossed that yeah. it doesn't get. Uh, too despondent yeah well i, I know you see i know you haven't heard the interview but i went for a 3-2 wolves win fair enough i think yeah. it could i think we will score I, I think it might be an entertaining game i just i just worry wolves might have a little bit too, too much. much yeah i think uh, do come and say hello if you see us in birmingham slash molyneux slash anywhere look out for the flag as ever oh yes of course oh yes the good old flag will we, will it get into the ground maybe maybe we will see. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, we wanted to finish off the podcast today, not with questions, I'm afraid. We normally do questions, but it's a slightly uh, shortened podcast today by talking about the Craig Klein situation. So, yep. about an hour before kickoff last night, it was revealed that Craig Klein has left Fulham Football Club. Yep. Um, now, I'm not going to go into exactly what his job role was, but effectively, he was very important in the scouting operations that Fulham did. Um, I believe he was on to, the board of to directors. To simplify, he was one of two boxes that needed to be ticked before a player was signed. He is the the money ball... Statsman. Statsman at Fulham. And that's about as simply as I we think... We can put it. It's not quite that simple, but that's as simple as we can get it. Yeah, and I also just don't have his exact job role right. to hand. So it looked like he had resigned from Fulham FC from initial reports, but there's been a lot of conflicting stories today including a very bizarre set of tweets from someone alleging to be Craig Klein on Twitter those tweets have since been deleted we have the screenshots on them and and the things that he was alleging uh, was first of all that he didn't resign from Fulham FC uh, and some fairly serious allegations against um, people in the Fulham setup I won't go onto them I'm sure you into can, them I'm yet. sure you can find the tweets online yourself if you really want to to look at them but it certainly seems like a bizarre set of circumstances and from what we're led to believe it is an argument amongst Craig and the high echelons of Fulham which has led to Craig leaving the club and we believe that the visa and team selection has been involved in that yeah I mean we're not 100% sure, uh, sure or clear as anyone isn't but the, the the things that have been said suggest that there's conflict between more than just Klein and Yukanovic. It, it suggests that there's conflict within a number of areas of the club um, that stretches as far as the CEO um, and, and those kind of things. So so we're not 100 percent sure, and you know we're not here making allegations about about anything. We have genuine reason though to believe that this Twitter user was. Craig Klein, don't we? From, yeah. from some sources that we have and some contacts that we've made, we do have genuine reason to believe that these tweets were from, from Craig, Craig himself. Yeah, yeah, it, it's just all a bit messy, and uh, we 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 suggest that that there are more things to come out of the club, and, and I think the club need to come out and make a statement and really release some sort of. Uh, words to the fans who are, who have been completely left in the dark over this whole sordid affair, um, and I think it's it's bad from the club that they haven't they haven't addressed the elephant in the room. I, I'm sure that there will be something over the next few days. I doubt it will be what everyone wants to hear, 
but I, I, there, there needs to be something from the club because at the moment everything seems a bit you know shrouded in, in, in darkness mystery and shadow it all seems a bit mirrors and smoke and I, I'm really slightly concerned about the state of the higher and the back room at Fulham right now because after after what's been you know after what's been said after the different sort of moving around and the amount of things that have gone on in the last year like imagine in just before January last year it must be nearly a year now when we sacked, we sacked Mike Rigg I put out a tweet this morning saying, I don't think it's any coincidence that since we sacked Mike Rigg, our transfer dealings have been pony. Mm. Um, and I really, really do believe that. I think that having someone with that capacity and that you know reach out ability to, to different clubs really helped us with bringing people in and, and getting deals over the line. And you know, I don't think he was out there scouting players. What I think he was there to do was make the business end of things work. And ultimately, when we got rid of him, I think we lost a key kind of cog in that environment. And since then, I think the, the kind of... The whole transfer policy has gone downhill. It looks to me like there are serious issues at, at, within the higher echelons of the club. And I, w- I would like to see something soon from the club about what's going on and basically clarifying the backstaff roles. It was mostly a cause for celebration online that Craig had left the club amongst large swathes of yep. of the Fulham fan base. I think a lot of people had seen Craig as a symbol of um negativity yeah. in, in our transfer Which I think is unfair. And but this isn't necessarily a good thing no, that not at all. he's left and we don't know exactly what signings Craig was directly Precisely. responsible but we would like to think that I mean last summer the stats model that Fulham employed in order to get transfers over the line was was very successful this summer has seen a slightly poorer return um, in in, yeah. trans- in transfers but I think it may be a little bit naive just to think this is a great thing he's got I think that's, it is, it's unbelievably naive to suggest that Klein hasn't had a hand in some of the you know some of the great transfers that we've made over the past two years and I think it, it's insane to suggest that you know you know that we're giving Slavisa control of the transfers who wanted Craig Cathcart and Cameron Jerome in the summer and, and suggest that they're going to be the answer to Fulham's problems but I just cannot see that being a thing um, and I would, I would suggest that everyone is very hasty in their criticism of Craig Klein. Uh, and I would like, we'll never probably know, you know, who the players that were signed on a stats basis were, who were the ones that Ikanovic recommended. And, you know, the truth is, as, as ever, probably somewhere in the middle, there is probably a, a degree of compromise on many of these signings. So I would suggest that maybe everyone's a little bit hasty. You know, I, you know, I don't think it's necessarily 100% a bad thing. I think if Ikanovic now has control of transfers, then he is ultimately responsible for his own demise if it doesn't go well. If we have a transfer window in January and those transfers don't do the business by March, Ikanovic can, you know, he can walk away that that that's done because there will be no one else there will be no one else to lay the lay the blame at his door or, and, and I think that people are just refusing to believe that Slavisa Yukanovic might not be the messiah that everyone is making him out to be I think there's only one thing that we can all agree on though and that the man responsible for picking the team at the end of the day has to be yeah Slavisa oh, yeah, yeah. and it cannot work if there are other people trying to pick the team, pick the team yeah, and make influence over that and I guess that is the that's the other side of it that we don't know, and and we're we're not sure whereabouts that in that murky back room kind of environment this has come from. So potentially we will see more clarity now and and a more you know Yukanovic based approach. Whether that's a good or a bad thing, I, I think we'll, we are yet to determine as a, as a full thing. Okay, well this was a lovely little extra pod 
Yeah. Um, obviously not the uh, happiest uh, of times uh, to be a Fulham fan right now but certainly interesting and I imagine there's going to be lots of developments uh, coming up in the next few weeks and probably quite a few to come out over the international break as well when there's a, a couple of weeks off of games yes. uh, hopefully we can get back to doing the talking on the pitch on Friday fingers crossed eh um, what are we going to name this podcast this podcast is going to be called Smoke and Mirrors, although I did fancy Shadows in the Dark briefly. <laughs> or the Decline of Klein. Yeah, the Klein decline. Um, has, has a certain ring to it as well. I think that one, one of those would do. We'll go for Smoke and Mirrors. I like smoke that, Jack. Thank you for listening to this Fulhamish Extra podcast today. Smoke and Mirrors is what we're calling it. The podcast will be back on Monday as usual. Uh, just a quick... Thank you to all of you who have made it possible for us to be nominated for Club Podcast yeah, of the Year at big the, up the fans. Football Supporters Federation Awards 2017. We've been nominated amongst some pretty damn big fish. Yeah, we're, um, in a, we're, we're a small fish in a big pond. Which, which is it's an amazing achievement that it's that managed to happen. We're only just over a year old and we're there up with the likes of Arscast and the Anfield Rap, Anfield and, Rap um, and also Bluecast, I think it is the Man City one, yeah, Blue yeah. Moon something like that so those awards are taking place on December the 4th Um, there's no need to vote in this this it's done by our panel which is good for us because we're only ickle yeah I was going to say it would just be a whitewash if the Anfield rap got to um, to vote yeah if it was all a vote and Liverpool fans and Arsenal fans you you know what happened with the whole Jack Wilshere Python Kasami thing we we don't don't like it uh, we hate it. Po- popular vote in Fulham doesn't go terribly well so um, but thank you to you it wouldn't have been possible without all of you listening every week and downloading it and sharing the podcast with um, all your friends I got told last week that someone in Oman uh, who is a friend of a friend of the family listens every single week and absolutely loves it which um, is great to hear and I know there's many of you you. uh, across the world listening so uh, we do greatly appreciate it anyway I digress we'll be back on Monday with a full dissection of the Wolves game and probably loads more to discuss with news coming out of the club in the next few days Indeed. so come Jack- and say hello to us if, if you see us as ever me and Sammy might do a little vlog of our trip to Wolves so oh, we'll yeah. see how it goes all 21st century up yeah, in here we are Jack Collins thank you very much thank you very much Sammy see you soon bye bye, bye.